As you're being seated, go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. How many of you in the room today are extroverts? You consider yourself an outgoing, extroverted person. Uh, I, would, I would ask how many of you are introverts, but I realize that none of you introverts would raise your hand because you wouldn't want me to draw any attention to you. But uh, whether you are an outgoing, extroverted person or whether you are an introverted, more reserved individual, all of us at some level, we have this desire to be appreciated by others. And Sometimes we, we look for avenues to, to express ourselves, and in turn, we, we hope that people appreciate it and, and it's meaningful to others. Sometimes uh, we look to physical, the physical realm, and maybe we want to be known for some type of physical, athletic accomplishment. I saw this crazy guy on, on the internet the other day who wanted to be known for an athletic accomplishment, so he climbed Mount Everest. Well, that's enough to get my attention in and of itself, but then he jumped off off the top of Mount Everest. He wore like this windsuit and like flew down from the top of Mount Everest. That got my attention. Sometimes people use artistic expression and maybe uh, you try to capture life through music or through art or photography and you capture those moments of life to express yourself. Sometimes philanthropic endeavors. You have a cause. You volunteer. You try to help people. You try to help animals or small children in order to to try to make a difference in the community that you live in. Sometimes people want to progress the society, and so you use your energies to organize or build things or be part of the government or the school system because you're wanting to make a difference. And as you do that, there's there's a part of all of us that likes to be appreciated. Now, did you know that the Bible actually teaches us that as Christians, we're to be noticeable? Now, don't get all weird on me and become the Hollywood Hulk Hogan of Christianity or anything like that. Christians are supposed to have a noticeability that comes from who you are as a person and what Christ is doing in you. And so as we think about channels that can make a difference in the world around us, our our walk with Christ is a vehicle that truly allows us to be a light in the darkness of this world. Now, in this series, Look Up, we've been working through the book of Philippians, and we've been seeing great truths in Scripture. One of the fun things that we've been doing in this series is we've been asking you to submit pictures that might inspire us to look up. And if you have a picture that inspires us in that way, you can submit it to office at murphychurch.com. Office at murphychurch.com. Somebody, uh, one of the ground rules is you have to have taken the picture, okay? Somebody had a creative one the other day that, that was good uh, of a giraffe. You were kind of looking up a giraffe's neck, neck to look up. Uh, this week's picture was taken by Mandy Hornbuckle, and I believe that was in a state park in West Texas. And, and you can see the, the stars in the night, and you can see the beauty of the evening sky. And, and the reason why we wanted to use that photo is you'll see it here in Scripture, that the Scriptures encourage us to shine like the stars. So look with me to Philippians chapter 2. So then, my dear friends, I'm in verse 12, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Here's our focal point. Among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now my prayer for each of us today is that our lives will shine like stars in the world. Now some of you who might be a little bit more cynical, you say, well that's great, Lash. I'm supposed to shine like a star in the world. I mean, how am I going to shine like a star in the world? Well, it helps if you have an understanding of the shining concept. This metaphor of light, it's used throughout the New Testament as a key component of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and for Christ to be at work within us. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, talking about Jesus The Bible says life was in him, the source of life, life itself, eternal life, forgiveness is in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. The light of Christ is so brilliant that as dark as the evil of the world is, it cannot overcome the light of Christ in John chapter 8. And verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, Jesus takes the object from himself to us and now says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. It's from this passage that we get that children's song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. We're not going to sing it today, Don't, don't worry. Jesus uses light to differentiate his power and his identity from the identity and the power of sin and and darkness and evil in this world. Now, realize that this is more than a Star Wars movie. This isn't Luke following the force against Darth Vader. The, The Bible teaches that there is a real cosmic battle between the forces of light and darkness, and that these two forces are are at war with each other. In Ephesians chapter 6, what many scholars consider to be the, the pinnacle passage on spiritual warfare, the Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics 
of the devil. Now let me pause right here and say this. When you start really making strides in your Christian life, when you start really getting serious about being a man of God or a woman of God and you're really wanting to connect with God, you can be assured of this, that you will face spiritual warfare. That the forces of evil will challenge you, they'll come against you, they'll try to discourage you and push you back. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. It goes beyond just what we see. Our our battle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and have prepared, having prepared everything to take your stand. Now, we see the dark side of life every day. I'm not really sure why it is that people are really trying to parse their words really carefully with this idea of evil. Evil exists. There is a tremendous amount of darkness in this world. Just read the news. You have the execution of James Foley, all this activity occurring with ISIS, Christians being dragged out of their homes and killed for no other reason except for the fact that they're, they're Christians, war in the Gaza Strip. Next week, when you read the news, there'll be a whole new set of stories. And these stories illustrate for us up close and personal that evil is real. There is a lot of darkness in this world. And sometimes we're, we're tempted to ask this question, what kind of human being could do such an evil thing? And it's easy for us to think that evil is all external, and we never, we never really stop and realize that we in our own lives find ourselves in this battle between light and darkness. I know in my own life there, there's a breakdown between who I want to be and who I really am. Spiritually, I want to be a great pastor. I want to be a great pastor to you, to, to your family. I, I want to be there for you whenever you need me. Whenever we gather here for worship, I want us to open up the Word of God and to see truths from the Scriptures, and I want those truths to just jump off the page and land in our hearts, and I want to see our lives reflecting the glory of God more and more each day as we as, we as a church live life together and spiritually I, I want to be the greatest pastor that, that I could possibly imagine and be to you. But then there's the reality. I don't have all the answers. I'm still a work in progress. There's a lot better preachers than me. God's still at work in my own life. And so there's these gaps between who I want to be and, and who I really am relationally. I, I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great father. I mean, I, I, I love my wife dearly. I mean, ladies, this hunk of a man that stands before you today, uh, I'm off the market. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I love my wife. I, I love my family. Uh, I, I, I want to be a good husband and father. But then there's the reality sometimes. Sometimes with three little ones running around the house, the decibel level in my house gets just maddening. And it's just so much busyness. 
and all the stuff that you know about what a good father is and what a good husband is, sometimes that just like explodes out of your ears and it just leaves you with the reality of who you really are. And you see that battle of light and darkness at work in your home, physically. I want to be physically fit, but then there's the reality. I'm not where I want to be. You get ready to go run, and it's 100 degrees outside. How are you supposed to be physically fit when it's 100 degrees outside? It's like running in a bowl of soup. It's tough. The other night, I went out and ran. It was like 9.30 at night. It was still like 90 degrees outside, but I'm like, man, I'm going to get out and run. So I'm out running, and as I'm running down the street, the mosquito truck starts coming up the road the other way. It's got this yellow light flashing, and it's putting this fog stuff out there, and I'm like, help, you know, what do I do? I'm stuck. Like, it stops 20 feet from me, sees me, goes around me, and then starts spraying again. I'm like, what am I supposed to do, just stand here now? Okay, I got a little force field around me. So, like, I pull my shirt up over my face, and I'm, like, running through the neighborhood like this, and then I think, how does this look? Pastor of Murphy Road Baptist Church running through the neighbor, neighborhood masked. I cut down a road. I decided I better get home, and the mosquito truck's coming back up the other way. That thing stalked me all the way home. I couldn't believe it. I mean, how am I supposed to be physically fit when you got mosquito trucks chasing you, peanut M&Ms? Those things are incredible. They come into your house. I don't know how they get there. It's like an invasion. But when they come, it's my duty as the father to make sure they evacuate as quickly as possible. And in all of our lives, we have this battle between who we want to be and and what we desire to be and then who we really are. And in all of our lives, there is this battle going on between light and darkness. Now, maybe you're out there and you say, well, this is special. I'm glad that you battle with that, but I don't. Well, fine. But the rest of us do. And it's frustrating. And it's challenging. Now, bursting through all this, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and the darkness cannot contain me. The darkness cannot overcome me. In fact, it tried. The darkness tried to kill me. The darkness did kill me, but I overcame death through my resurrection. And Jesus also says, I can help you. I can help you be light in the darkness as well. It's what I call the shining concept. I think it's what Paul was referring to whenever he says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Do you ever look around the world sometimes and say, this generation is crooked and perverted? Well, it was true in Paul's day as well. Sin has always been there. It always will be there until the day of the Lord. But he says, may you, be, may you shine like a star in the world amidst the darkness of the world. And so here's my goal for us today. Right? right now, if you're shining like a candle, I hope to get you to a flashlight. And if you're a flashlight, let's get you to a car headlight. And if you're a car headlight, let's get you to, uh, to the brights. But let's all be moving towards the supernova. Let's be moving. Let's get, be getting brighter so that we're shining like stars in the darkness. So how do we up our lumens How does our light, our life, I should say, shine brightly? Well, you got to plug into the power source. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But then he turns that around by saying, you are the light of the world. By my bed, there is a lamp. 
the other night, I, I go to turn on the lamp, and I turn the thing, and, and nothing happens. So I go, and I get a light bulb. I put a new light bulb in the lamp, turn it again, nothing happens. Well, I decide I need to exhaust my mechanical capabilities, so I look below, and I discover it's unplugged. So once I plugged it in, it was amazing. I turned the knob, and the light came on. Well, in our spiritual lives, if the light is going to be shining in our lives, we have to have our lives plugged into the source of light, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that you and I are going to be little demigods and that we're going to be him, that we are God, but he was saying you can be the light of the world because I am the light of the world. Now, remember this. Attitudes plus actions plus articulation equals illumination. Attitudes plus actions plus articulation equals illumination. We have to have our attitude plugged into Christ. If you go back into the verses that preceded our focal passage today, you'll see that that begins to unfold in the passage. In verse 5, the passage says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. So normally when we go to Philippians 2, we begin with verse 6, and we miss what the entire passage was actually about. Paul says, This is about your attitude. Your attitude should be that of Jesus Christ. Well, what was Jesus' attitude? Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. For this reason... God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If I'm going to shine, if the light of God is going to be seen in my life, I have to get beyond myself and learn to care about others. Now, what was Jesus' attitude? Existing in the form of God, he wasn't consumed with equality. Instead, he is willing to empty himself, be born as a baby in Bethlehem. He is willing to live a humble life, taking on the likeness of men. He is willing to be obedient to God to the point of death, and not just any death, but a hideous death on the cross, and it's because of this that God the Father exalts him and gives him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If I'm going to shine, I have to learn to humble myself, seek God's glory over my own glory, and live my life in such a way that I want to make much of God in everything. Now, that can be difficult in challenges. You start having conflict with another person, conflict with your spouse, conflict with your children, and you ask yourself, how do I make much of God in this? But as you start asking that question, as you begin seeking God's glory, even in the difficult relationships, even in the difficult moments, your attitude begins reflecting the attitude of Christ. Whatever situation I'm going into, whether it's me talking to the person in the grocery store, talking to the waiter at the restaurant, 
talking to my neighbor, dealing with my children, dealing with my spouse? How can my attitude, how can my actions bring glory to God? Attitudes plus actions. He goes on to say in verse 12, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he begins with this idea of obedience. You've obeyed the word of God in my presence, and you're continuing to obey it uh, in my absence, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Now, sometimes people get tripped up on this phrase, work out your own salvation. It's not talking about the fact that you work your way to salvation. It's not, it's not a salvation of works. Just read the New Testament, and over and over and over again, the New Testament clearly uh, reveals a salvation by grace. So our salvation is a gift. It, it's the grace of God within us. But when we receive that gift, we are to work out or live out our salvation. We are to employ spiritual discipline in our life. If you want better stamina, you have to work your heart and your lungs. And until you work your heart and your lungs, you're probably not going to have better stamina. If you want a sharper mind, you have to read, you have to talk, you have to engage with ideas, you have to think. If you want greater spiritual wattage, you have to employ spiritual disciplines. You need to be a worshiper. You need to be someone who is aligning your life vertically and seeking God's glory and gathering with your church family, a person of prayer. You need to be someone who is in the Word of God and reading the Word of God and letting it uh, land in your life and engaging with other Christians in Bible study. You need to be somebody who is having the work of God overflow the boundaries of your life so that you are serving faithfully and you have areas of your life where you serve for God, and it's something that you do. I do this for God. You need these spiritual disciplines employed in your life. But now, notice this. The scriptures say, it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Whenever you employ spiritual disciplines, it is God who brings about the result. Go back to our idea of improving your stamina. And so you start working trying to get your heart beating better, more efficiently, and your lungs breathing more efficiently, and you run away from mosquito trucks, and you do this on an ongoing basis until you get physically fit. Well, you don't come home and say, okay, I've done this, now I'm going to make myself more physically fit. Okay, heart beat better, lungs breathe better. No, that, that kind of just happens. It, it's a result. And, and the same thing is true. As God works within us, as we employ the spiritual disciplines, God begins doing a work in us that we could never imagine. He grows us. He matures us. And the light of Christ begins shining through you. People begin seeing Christ in you. They begin realizing, hey, there's something noticeable about that person. There's something different about them. Our attitudes our actions, and then our articulation. Now, I'm not sure if this word fits perfectly right here, but I needed another word that started with A, and this was the best one that I could find, okay? Now, verse 14 of chapter 2 is a word that every parent 
should have on your refrigerator, a verse that every parent should know. This should be on your refrigerator. The scriptures say, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Okay? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Around the bank's house, we have a word for grumbling and arguing. Our word is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah means, it's an adjective, it means living life without joy. Having a complaining, negative, griping spirit. Whenever people start engaging in yeah, yeah, there's always negative consequences. Sometimes churches get caught in a negative, arguing, complaining spirit. And what a travesty that is whenever churches go that route. It hurts the church's testimony within the community. People begin knowing your church is the yeah, yeah church. Yeah, that's the church that's always fighting all the time. You've heard about it, especially if you ever grew up in rural Texas. Well, there's that church and that church, and that church started because this church got in a fight, and then they started this church, and this church started because that church got in a fight, and, and church is just fighting all the time. When churches fight all the time, it, it stops the mission from going forward. Churches can't accomplish anything because every idea that comes about has to be nitpicked and argued over to the degree that the church never does anything, and so it just sits still. When churches just start arguing and complaining all the time, the fun from the church begins to drain. I don't know about you, but I think church should be a fun place. I think whenever you walk through these doors, it should be a place of refuge. It should be a a place of joy. I hope that some of your best friends in the whole world are right here in this church. But when people start getting a negative, griping, complaining spirit, it begins to take away the fun of, of a place that should be truly the happiest place on earth. Question for you. Are you a negative person who loves to grumble and argue? Are you a negative person who loves to grumble and argue? Now answer honestly. You're in church. Don't lie. Are you? Now you might not realize it, but it's affecting your life, and it's affecting your life in some negative ways. And as your pastor, as your friend, I hope that through the Holy Spirit's power, through self-discipline, you can begin changing your attitude and quit being that negative, grumpy person all the time. When that becomes a part of your identity, you may not realize it, but people try to avoid you because they don't want to hear you gripe. People don't want to be around folks that are just always griping. It'll affect your own self-esteem. You'll you'll feel badly about yourself. The joy of the Lord will will not be in your life because you're feasting on on negative thoughts. The other day I was reading politics. I don't read politics a lot, but I was reading politics and my wife walked through the room, and I was starting to get worked up. I was like, you won't believe this. And I was telling her about this and stuff, and time passed, and I began to realize, man, I just feel nervous. I feel like something's just not right, and I began taking inventory of my life. Why are you feeling nervous, Lesh? Probably because you're talking to yourself, Lesh. But, uh, you know, family's good, church is good, life is good. You know, why, why do you got this feeling? And I began to realize it because it's because that that morning, instead of, reading the Word of God and really feasting on, on good, healthy things. I had been feasting on things that were negative and were just really draining the joy of God in my life. Whenever you start feasting on negativity and arguing and complaining all the time, life's not going to be pleasant. You're going to have all these blessings in your life, all this really, really good stuff 
But you're not going to see that because all you're going to see is everything that's wrong. And you're going to hydroplane right over the blessings in your life because all you're going to focus on are those negative things. Whenever you become that negative, complaining person, your influence for Jesus Christ will be diminished. Because when people look at a bitter, angry, negative person all the time, and they ask themselves, if that's the joy of the Lord, why would I want that? Think back over your life. Who are the people in your life that have helped you spiritually? Who are the people that have helped you grow, help you mature? Who were those folks? And what were they like? In my life, I I think of my father. I think of a a dear, sweet lady in the church that I grew up in named Miss Esther. Miss Esther taught the fifth grade girls Sunday school class. No, I was not in her Sunday school class. I think of my track coach, Mark, that I talk about sometimes. A couple professors, Professor Bullock, Professor Garrett. I think of a missionary friend that I knew named David. And all those people had a lot of different qualities, different personalities. Some of them are extroverts, some of them are introverts. But they all have something in common. Number one, they all helped me, they encouraged me, they helped me grow in my spiritual life. Number two, the light of Christ was shining in them. There was something about their life. There was something about their attitude, their actions, the words that they spoke that was an encouragement. You could see the light of Christ shining in them. And whenever I was around them, it motivated me, it inspired me to grow in my own walk. The world is a dark place. And some of you guys You live in the midst of that darkness, and you see it up close and personal every day of your life. The world is a dark place, and it needs people like you to be a light of hope. It needs churches like this one to be light in the darkness. And let's remember something. As dark as this world is, there is a day of the Lord coming. Because the scriptures say the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Let's stand together and bow our heads as we come to a time of commitment. Musicians are going to come and lead us in a, in a song. I'll be here at the front row. If there's anything that I may pray with you about, it's always my honor to pray with you and uh, encourage you however I can. If today needs to be the day, where you embrace salvation, uh, I would love to talk to you. I'll also be around after the service and would love to talk to you then as well. With our heads bowed, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And I am I'm a little overwhelmed today as I think about the depth of darkness that is in the world and what you've done to overcome it. And I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be absorbed by the darkness of our own heart, that we don't have to be that person that we don't want to be. I thank you, Father, that there is power and strength to be a godly father, to be a godly husband, to be a godly wife. I thank you, Father, that there is power and strength 
to be able to go into that classroom, to be able to go into that hospital room, that office, to be able to walk the neighborhoods in which we live. There is power and strength to be able to live out our salvation and have light shining. And Lord, I think about 700,000 people in our own county who don't know Christ. And I pray that we might be a light in their life. And I pray, Father, that as people give testimony of their life and talk about individuals that have helped them, individuals that have encouraged them and brought strength and meaning to their life, that they will be able to look to us and be able to say, it was that fifth grade teacher, it was that it was that Awana worker, it, it, it was that, 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 that deacon, it, it was that musician, it was that person that helped me and encouraged me because the light of Jesus Christ was shining in them. And Lord, I do pray for those of us that have gotten trapped in negativity and we live our lives grumbling and complaining that you will overwhelm us with the goodness of your blessings and that you will help us to see your goodness and the goodness of our life and that we might be grateful people. And Lord, may that gratitude overflow into the way that we treat others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.